Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is a great honor to be here at Bay City Outreach Center. How are we all doing this morning? You're all alive? You're well? Feeling good? Feeling full of the Holy Spirit? Excited about the great future that God's got for your church? Amen? And it is a great joy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I would just like to just honor your pastors this morning, Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy, not only for the honor of being able to speak in their pulpit this morning, but especially for Pastor Mike, for all of the input that he's had into my life. Uh, I, I was uh, only just a young guy, I reckon probably 18, 19 years old as a young Christian when, when Pastor Mike uh, first started to input into my life. In fact, we spoke for about uh, maybe 40 minutes on the phone about six weeks ago and I said to him I said it's just like it's like hearing one of my dad's talk and uh, just all of the input that he's sown into my life I still can remember countless environments camps and leaders meetings and Sunday services where your pastor has shared the word into my life and I guess has shaped uh, a lot of who I am today and so then to have the opportunity to share back into that environment today is a great honor so could you honor your pastors today you could just honor them for God's hand on their lives and I really want to. I really want to stir you as a church this morning. I mean, this building's packed today, which is a great thing, isn't it? To see a church that is filled. But God has got a great future for you. But uh, your pastors are not only called to touch this nation, but really have a tremendous impact all over the world. I, I don't uh, preach so much in Asia, but every time I do go there, I told Pastor Mike, I tell him I'm one of his friends, and it opens every door and. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, that, is that right? Oh, well, come on, you know, and, uh, and uh, but your pastor has a tremendous impact in the world, one of the world's most renowned, uh, I mean, to be honest, in some ways, your pastor is bigger than his location, but, uh, but uh, you know, it's a great thing that he's just said, well, this is where I'm called to be, and I'm going to continue to sow into what God's got uh, for the Hawke's Bay and for New Zealand, and so I really want to steer you as a church to stay on board with what God is doing, uh, and continue to release your pastors to change the world, because it's a very important thing, you know, and you're doing something great for God, it's been a great joy to be here with the young people this weekend. We've been having a great time. Friday night was a crazy meeting. I had a whole sermon. I threw it out within the first five minutes, told four stories, gave an altar call, and a hundred young people or so came up on the altar. It was absolute bedlam, but I love that kind of edgy stuff where God is moving and doing something awesome, and so it was a great time. Yesterday morning, a great meeting. I kind of had to truncate my sermon last night. I wasn't feeling that well, but I feel good today. feel good this morning. And uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 7. Uh, we'll just take a moment to let you know that uh, I've got a bunch of my CDs down the back. And uh, I'd love you just to take some time to maybe avail yourself to some of those. Uh, I really believe in feeding yourself on the Word of God. And uh, uh, the more you feed, the, you know, what you feed on is what you become. We're going to talk about that a bit in this morning's sermon. But uh, there's some great stuff down the back. There's a message called God is for you, not against you. I think that's the most, the most important question that every Every Christian needs to answer in their life, is God for you or is God against you? How you answer that question will define everything about the way you live your life. And no matter what you're facing right now, ask yourself that question. Whether it's a secret sin, some great challenge in your business, you know, marriage under pressure, whatever you're going through in life, ask yourself this question, is God for me or is God against me? And if you get the right answer, you'll get the right answer. Listen to that CD. There's a message called The Next Spirit. 
about where your spirit calls home is where you will live. Uh, I've preached more out of the book of Joshua than I have out of any other book in the Bible. And uh, in fact, I wrote a book on the book of Joshua, which is coming out again next week. But um, uh, this is a message called The Next Spirit about where your spirit calls home. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, made their home in the promised land. And so as a result of that, where their spirit lived, the Bible says they had a different spirit. The word means a next spirit. And that's in, where they ended up living. Memories. In fact, I think Pastor Mike could probably preach a sermon on memories better than I could, but uh, there's a, uh, been probably my number one selling CD message. All through the Bible, memories are uh, signified by rocks, and uh, God speaks through rocks about how we use our memories, and how you use your memories is going to define your life. There's another message for somebody who's not feeling so good in terms of what God's got for them in their life called the restoration of vision, and uh, uh, that's helped a lot of people. In fact, I was just was driving uh, with a pastor from the UK the other day who said that message has kept them going when he was about to give up. So it'll help somebody. Genesis chapter 7, we're going to go to today. If you're alive, say yes. yes. If you love God, say right on. Yes. If you hate the devil, say Ur. As I'm preaching the word this morning, can I encourage every person just to say amen, yes, hallelujah, that's good, I like that, oh, that's fantastic, with often regularity, just say, just say yes, amen, that's good, and I'll get through the sermon a whole lot quicker if you just stay with me. The Bible says the promises of God are, and they are, and they are, and that's a little bit of practice for my sermon. Get you all in the right zone. I, I like that. A few loud voices over here. I really enjoyed your worship leading today. You're outstanding. Give the worship leader a great round of applause. She's very talented. What a great voice and a big spirit. Genesis chapter 7, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. For 40 days, the, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and all the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him on the ark. The water flooded the earth for 150 days, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the water receded. Come down to verse 6. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. Could you say the word raven? One, two, three, raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove. Could you say the word dove? One, two, three, dove. He sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its foot because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. 
Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. It is filled with so much of examples and types for us of how God moves and what He does on planet Earth. As here we find the Bible says God made man, Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden, caused them to flourish and to grow, gave them free will and the potential for sin. We're just to truncate the story right down this morning. We know that Adam and Eve chose to sin. And as a result of that sin, that death and disease and sickness and cancer and Shortland Street and every evil thing taxes and speeding tickets and every evil thing pimples and every evil thing came into the earth as a result of that sin and so God put them outside of the garden and they continued to multiply and grow and to fill the earth according to God's word and commandment. But the Bible says that God looked down and saw that the process of their degradation was faster than he could ever think imaginable. The inclination of their heart was always towards evil all of the day. And so God says, wow, I love you so much. I'm going to put this process on pause. What an amazing thing to think that with God, sometimes he loves you so much. He loves you so greatly that he'll, he'll stop the process of, of our own harm in order to take us forward in life. In fact, God has got us like the clay in the potter's hand. He only ever takes you down. He only ever breaks you down because he wants to make you into something better than you already are. If you believe that, say yes this morning. So God says, I'm going to cover the earth with a flood, speaks to Noah and says, I want you to build an ark. In the ark, I want you to put two of every kind of animal so that they can be in the ark with you because the flood waters are coming on the earth. I want you to understand that the flood waters that came on the earth are a picture for us of destruction, a picture for us of death, of how there is going to be a time when every man's work, his life, everything about him is going to be weighed to see what it's like. There is a judgment that is coming on the earth. The Bible says that the ark, is a type of Christ. And just like the Bible says that if anyone is in him, that there is no longer any death for us in our life, that if any man is in Christ, any woman is in Christ, he is a new creation. So it's like that if you're in the ark, you're spared from the judgment that is coming. The, The Bible tells us that Noah climbed into the ark. And when he climbed into the ark, that it was God himself who shut the door. And so it is, it's amazing that when you open your life to Jesus. You step into Him. But how many people know that in and of ourselves, we could never stay in Jesus. But God seals the door. He shuts the door. It's Ephesians 1 verse 13 says that when we received Him, we were sealed with a seal that is the Holy Spirit, the deposit of things that are to come. In fact, when the Israelites went into the Jordan, they stepped over into the promised land. That's what happens when we receive Christ. We step from the wilderness into life. We step from from death into life. We step from the wilderness into the promises of God. And then the floodwaters came back and the Jordan flooded and sealed them into the promises of God. How many people are happy this morning that God has sealed you in? 
I want you to understand that our salvation comes not because of our righteousness, our works, our better than, superior than, our more holy than, our less fallible than, but because we are in Jesus. It's not about how good you are. It's about what you're in. If you're in Jesus, if you're in the ark, you have the promise of new life and judgment. You'll rise above the difficulties in life. What an amazing thing to think. Doesn't matter what floodwaters come your way, what devastation is on the horizon, what challenges you and I face. If we are in Jesus, we will rise above every challenge. We will take, we will take difficulties and float on them and come out into a new season of opportunity in our lives. Yeah, go ahead. Get clap. Why don't you clap and praise God? He's worthy of some praise. So the Bible tells us that Noah is in this ark. The only people that are with him in the ark is, a fam- is his family. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So much of the church gets this concept of preacher of righteousness so wrong. We think a preacher of righteousness is someone with an angry face and a furrowed brow and a word of judgment to people who are broken in our community. Jesus only ever spoke harshly to religious people. Did you know that? He spoke harshly to religious people, but he spoke compassionately to lost people. Noah, as a preacher of righteousness, means that he's saying to everybody, get in this ark. Would you get in this ark? You don't have to die. You don't have to be judged for what you've done. I'm no better than you. But if you would get in this ark, you could be spared. And when the ark is shut and the waters begin to rise and people begin to beat on the side of that ark, as the Bible tells us, that there will come a day when there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth as people realize that they've left things in their life too late, that Noah is not on the inside of that ark having a party. He hears the knocking and the pleading and he's weeping. He's broken. That people are on the outside of the ark. The waters rise, the judgment comes on the earth. The Bible says it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, 150 days. This ark floats on the surface of the earth as the wind causes everything to come back to balance again until finally the ark comes down to, on the top of a mountain. From the inside of this ark, Noah releases two dove, two birds. Every single one of us on the inside of us has two birds. We're always releasing from our life two birds. On the inside of every person are these two birds. And what you and I choose to do with the two birds in our life are going to determine everything about the kind of person that we are and about the potential of the church that we're part of. See, this church even right now is in a time of transition and change. And I love change. I am a change addict. I'll change just for the sake of change. I think change is just good. I just get bored when things stay the same. I just want everything to change. I mean, our church doesn't even have a building. We just change where we meet all the time. We just have to send out a text message, check on a website to find out where to go this Sunday. But I love change. But as as your church is even in a season of change, what bird you release from your life as a, as a leader, as a congregational member, as a person in a season of change is going to decide what happens in the future of your church. See, the ark is a picture of the church. It's a picture of a place where people can come together. Now, isn't it amazing that the Bible says in the book of Revelation that in the last day, the lion will lay down with the lamb. But you know, that'll be the second time. Because in that ark, the lion lay down with the lamb. 
And so it is that there is a place in this place where God is making the church a a haven. It's a place where people from all backgrounds and demographics and nationalities come together in an environment, an oasis, a place of safety. But in our lives are two birds. Every person has two birds. There is a raven and there is a dove. There is a raven and there is a dove. Noah releases from the ark two birds, the raven and the dove, and you and I are releasing out of our lives the raven, and we're releasing out of our lives the dove. The Bible talks about the raven and says that it is an unclean animal. In fact, Leviticus 11 verse 15 says about the raven that the raven is a detestable creature. It is to be detested by you. And so it is on the inside of everybody that there is a part of us that God says we are not to live in or even to appreciate, but part of us that we are to detest. The the dove on the other side is not an unclean animal. It's a clean animal. In fact, God said, if you want to receive forgiveness of sins, then you are to offer up a lamb. But if you cannot afford a lamb, then you can offer up a dove. a A dove and a lamb are the same in God's eyes. It's a clean animal. It's an acceptable offering. The, the, the raven is what we know to be a carrion bird, a scavenger bird, a, a, an animal that feeds on the dead things that have taken place. So some animal dies, and of course, nature has a way, and God constructed it that things would get cleaned up, and hygiene would be restored. And so when animals died, it was the raven that would come down and feed off of the dead carcasses. There is a part of us that feeds on dead things. Something on the inside of us that loves it when things don't go right. We love it when things are bad. We love it when trouble arises. And there is a, a part of the inside of a person that loves to go after the dead things in life. It's that gossip. It's that slander. It's that, it's that, it's that tragedy. What's our reaction when we hear about difficulties in people's lives and marriages and churches and our community? Is it a reaction of ooh, you know, excitement or expectation? You know what? I really need to tell you something. Every time I say that, people always look, don't they? What are you going to say? What's the thing you've got to share? What's this juicy little tidbit? That's the raven part of us. You must understand. I set you up for a fall, but there is a bit of us. There is a bit of us that is the raven. On the other side of that, we have a dove. And you know what the dove feeds on? It feeds, feeds on two things. It feeds on fruit and it feeds on seeds. Are you awake this morning? We're getting a comparison between one bird that feeds on dead carcasses and one that feeds on fruits and seeds. And the Bible says that we are not to live in the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit, that we are to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much And so it is that there is a part of us that is not feeding on the dead things of life, but the living things of life. And God is saying, which one will we be? Will we be the raven or will will we be the dove? The raven is a symbol in our lives of our sinful nature and the dove is symbolic of our new life in Christ. What an amazing thing to observe about the raven, that the moment the raven gets an opportunity, it bails out of the ark and it never returns. In other words, there is an independent side to us. There is a separatist side to us. There is a master of our own destiny side to us. But what an awesome picture about the dove that it just kept coming back 
to Noah on the ark. It knew where it belonged. It knew its place in the world. It accepted something. It, it, was, a, it was a supportive environment. Inside of every one of us, there is a raven and there is a dove. See, I want you to understand that the raven is the first bird that Noah released from the ark. When Noah released the raven from the ark, the entire surface of the earth was covered in water. Yet when the raven is released from the ark, how can it be that in a world that is entirely water, the raven never returns to the ark? The answer comes that whenever you have every living thing on the face of the planet drowned in a catastrophic worldwide flood, what happens to the things that have just died? Answer, they float on the surface of the water. See, I want you to understand that whenever difficulty or tragedy comes on the earth, what happens in the heart of the church, it shows to us what's going on on the very inside of who we are. The raven is released from the ark in a time of tragedy, in a time of difficulty, in a time of turmoil on the earth. And so it is that when the raven is released, it finds food aplenty. It says, I have no need to return to the ark because I have all the food that I need. See, I don't know about you, but I reckon that's a pretty tragic tale. Have you ever read stories about when catastrophes do happen on the earth? I tell you what, I am proud to be a Christian. I really am. I am proud to be a Christian. Because whenever tragedy comes on the earth, normally in 90-something percent of cases, the first people on the ground will be believers in Jesus Christ. I spoke with the leaders of World Vision just a month or two ago. They said, John, you need to understand that when Haiti happened, you've heard everybody saying they were the first on the ground. But when Haiti happened, they said the very first people to distribute food was World Vision. Christian believers were the very first, while other nations couldn't even get stuff there. We were already on the ground with stockpiles. I'm grateful to be part of that kind of community across the earth of people who believe and being part of the answer and not part of the problem. But isn't it also scary when you read these same stories to hear of the exploitation of the people who take from these situations, the slave people who turn up, the, you know, the sex traffickers, and, and even those who take the aid food that is being provided and sell it for their own monetary gain. How can you do that at the risk of other people's lives? See, the Bible says that the raven is released from the ark. And when it is released from the ark, it finds all the food that it needs. See, there's a part of us that when things are not going right, wants to feed on the things that are, that are bad in the world. Churches are destroyed because of ravens. I, for one, have no interest in a magazine that has a little circle around some star's bikini hip and then amplified up into a giant bubble saying, too fat, too thin, cellulite surgery, you know, nose job, whatever. It's all just raven food. It's all just tearing apart people's lives, examining the minutiae. It gives you no life. It gives, there's nothing fruitful about it. There's nothing replenishing about it. There's nothing that's multiplying about it. But there is a part of us that loves to feed on raven food. But the Bible says that if by the Spirit we put to death the sinful nature, that we can have the kind of life that produces life. And so it is that the raven is released from the ark and never returns to Noah as an amazing symbol of all the bad things that the raven brings into our lives. But in stark contrast, Noah releases from the ark the dove. 
What an amazing picture because this dove gets released from the ark and the Bible says that he flies around the entire day, yet he can find nowhere to set its foot. Wow, isn't that an amazing passage? While one bird is out there saying, Woohoo! I've got all the food I need to last me a lifetime. Another bird is released and says, There is nothing here that I can even stand on, let alone feed on. See, God wants us as Christians. There are moments in your life you're going to be released from the ark. See, the Bible even says that this, sorry, this dove is released from the ark, and then seven days later, it's released from the ark again. It's in the ark. Seven days later, it's released again. Seven days later. See, we're in church this very morning, and you know what? If you're a smart person, if you're a genuine believer in Jesus, you'll do everything you can that seven days from now, now, you'll be back in this place again to get what God has got for you in your life. I want you to understand that there are times in your life where you can be in here lifting up Jesus, getting His Word in your heart, and you're feeding on dove food. But then you get released out of the ark, and there are seasons in your life where you get out of here and everything in your world is just death and tragedy and difficulty and the kids aren't where they should be and the marriage is facing challenges and life isn't going the way that you want and it's very easy to change your diet. But God's saying there are moments in your life where you've got to say, I cannot feed on anything here and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get back to the ark. Sometimes when you're a new Christian, everything in your world is telling you, don't go after Jesus. What, what are you doing with those Christian, those, those Bible bashers? What are you doing hanging around with those weird people? I mean, they lift their hands and sing crazy songs. What are you doing with those people? But you've got to say to yourself, I'm just getting back to the ark. Sometimes in our life, we've got to make ourselves an ark. Get three or four Christians in the middle of the week and say, just pray with me. All around me, people are trying to make me into a raven, trying to get me to feed on their negativity, their gossip, their slander, their 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 their, their terrible outcome. But I need some people who are just going to give me some dove food. Could you pray with me? Share a scripture with me. Make yourself an ark. There's no shame in making yourself an ark. There's no shame in saying I can't feed on anything else. But there is shame in changing your diet. And God's saying to every Christian in this room, let's not feed on raven food. Let's not feed on the death, the tragedy, the suffering, the things that don't go right. Let's feed on raven, let's feed on dove food, on things that have life potential. Oh, because the Bible says that the, the, the dove is released from the ark a second time. The second time, seven days later, that this dove is released from the ark, the Bible says that it flies back and forth. Catch this. The dove is released from the ark at the first break of dawn. It returns to Noah at the last light of dusk. It's released at the very break of the morning. It returns to Noah at the very last hour of the evening. And the Bible says that in its beak is a freshly plucked olive leaf. You could think that's nothing, but you've got to understand this is a very powerful symbol. In fact, do you want to know what God calls you when He looks at you as a Christian? One of the names He has for every Christian is Jeremiah chapter eleven, verse sixteen. The Lord called you your name. The Lord called your name green olive tree, lovely and full of good fruit. 
In fact, Revelation chapter 11 verse 4 talks about the throne room and it says on either side of God's throne there will be two lampstands. Yes, we can see them on our lovely sister's shawl today, but on the outside of those lampstands, do you know what there are? Two olive trees. See, whenever you see olive trees in the Bible, they're pictures of Christian believers. I want you to understand that even when this dove returns to Noah and in its beak is just an olive leaf, it's not even fruit, but it's the precursor to fruit. It's what comes before fruit. The fruit grows because the leaves receive the nutrients from the environment and then the fruit continues to grow. In other words, before there is anything good to talk about, the, the dove part of you is bringing back the potential for good things to talk about. Wow, that's amazing. And notice that the Bible doesn't say the dove, you know, went out in the morning, found it and got straight back. No, it had a 12-hour search. That's amazing because the Bible's literally saying that this dove is looking for something to bring back to Noah that's going to be the right kind of thing to bring back. And he searches at 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, 3. He gets all the way through. And as the sun is about to set, The dove looks out and there in the horizon as it's flying over endless expanse of water, it sees a little mound poking out. On the top of the mound, he sees a little shadow and so the dove flies towards it and lo and behold, sticking out of all this tragedy, you catch it? Sticking out of all of this turmoil, all of this upheaval is an olive branch with a little leaf on it. And he flies down and he notices that there's more than one. And so he grabs a leaf and he says, I'm bringing back to Noah a word of promise. I'm bringing back to Noah a word of future potential. I'm bringing back to Noah a word of life. See, imagine if every Christian believer worldwide was committed to only feeding on dove food. And when doves can't find the right things to feed on, rather than changing their diet, they'll bring back, see, sometimes when you meet people and they've just given their life to Jesus, they haven't got fruit yet, but they have got leaves. And you've got to look at the person's life and say, even before they look holy, look Christian, you know, even before they stop swearing, quit smoking, don't walk past the smoker with a... Not coming to my house for lunch. How about we walk past them and say, look, is there a smile? Is there love in their heart? Come on, have they given their life to Jesus? Let's just make a decision that as Christians, we're going to see leaves in people's lives. Even, but come on, give God some praise. Give Him some praise. Even before there is fruit, bring the word of a leaf. Imagine if every Christian just made a commitment, I will never eat what a raven eats. I will never eat it. In fact, if you look in your Bibles, you're going to find the Bible is explicitly clear, not even kind of, it doesn't even vague about it. It's like, you know, it talks about it explicitly clear. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, whatsoever things are good, noble, praiseworthy, of good report, excellent. If anything's kind of in the potential for life category, think about these things. First Thessalonians, speak to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. Notice what it doesn't say to speak to one another in. You know, an accusation, analyzation. I'm not even sure if that's a word. I just made it. Well, you know, when he was saying that this morning, I'm not really sure if I agree with... (laughs) 
dove food, I mean raven food. Just diminishing, pulling down, equalizing, level, you know, leveling everything. It's just, yeah, it is. It's in our nation. But let's make a decision that we, you know, in this house are going to be the kind of church that doesn't feed on raven food. We're going to feed on dove food. Come on. God doesn't want us to be a bunch of scavengers. Next time somebody tries to tear somebody else down around you, just go, scavenger. You probably lose the friendship, but you keep your right thing on the inside of you. Some friends aren't worth having anyway. Come on. I reckon what causes the church in New Zealand to move forward and also the thing that causes it to stop in its tracks. You know, the very thing that causes the church to lose its voice out there is the same thing that causes it to stop growing in here. It's ravens. It's when all we can do for people in our community is speak judgment over them. You get no prizes for telling people that their life sucks. Come on. Who would even give you a job doing that? Yeah, many people think that's what God has commissioned them to do. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. How about we be active in our communities as an answer, as a source of hope, as a source of life, of new promise, of future potential. Come on, let's be known for what we're for, not for what we're against. Let's be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Let's be on the mending side and not the breaking side. God is looking for His people to be, ra- sorry, to be doves and not to be ravens. Let's get that right. And then the Bible says that the third time the dove is released from the ark, it never returns to Noah. Oh, I got, you got to get this. You got to get this. See, as a dove, you have a very crucial role in the world's ecology. See, the, what a dove does is it eats fruit. And uh, without being rude, it passes the seeds. It eats the fruit and it passes. You get where I'm going with it. <laughs> stuff goes in and stuff goes out. But the Bible is saying that the third time the dove, see the thing about ravens is that they eat, but there's nothing else that comes from it. See, that's the problem with raven food is that it doesn't produce any life. Come on, you've, you've eaten on things like that yourself. You, like, you eat the food, it goes down, but then all it does is create turmoil on the inside of you. But it's like that emotionally. It's like that spiritually. It's what you let into your life. But the Bible says about the dove that it eats on fruit. And as a result of that, it passes out the seeds. So this is what happens if you're fulfilling God's will for you as a Christian believer. You come into this environment and you eat fruit. You get into the Word and you eat fruit. You meet people and you eat fruit and then everywhere you go for the next six days of your life, for the rest of your life, you spread seed around everywhere you go. You're an awesome person. God loves you. You've got some potential. Thank you for the way you gave me that cup of coffee. Kids, you're awesome. You're so amazing. Oh, I'm so grateful, boss. Thanks for even just giving me the 30 hours that you can give me. And when the economy gets better, I think you'll get 40 again. Just choose to be a dove. Everywhere you go, you're spreading life and you're spreading seed. Come on. Come away from church. You know, Jillian and I are pastors, you know. And Believe me when I say, when I come to church, I see everything. And our church has problems up the wazoo. 
Because I'm telling you, if you serve Jesus and you build God's house, the only problem with the church is the people, but what makes it great is the people. And we come away from church and there are a thousand things. But you know what happens when you get into our car at the end of church? If we happen to be lucky enough to be in the same car, because it's a busy life. But we'll hop into that car and we're driving home and we've disciplined our marriage. It's only dove food. Rather than going, well, you know, and the sound system and the, you know, the worship team, I can't believe that drummer, and, you know, the ushers were a bit slow today. Rather than doing all of that, can't believe it. How many people got saved today? How many people found Jesus? Did you sense God's spirit? How about that praise report? Come on, dove. The dove. Every moment of your life, everywhere that you go, everything that you do, Choose in your life to be a dove. Imagine if every person who stands on the stage when they step off it at the end gets 15 people coming up to them. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Sure, you wandered in and out of key. Not speaking about the worship leader, obviously. She's got a, a very amazing voice. But, you know, just I'm just saying, imagine if everything we're like, you know, just you're awesome. You're fantastic. Love that. Changed my life. In genuine sincerity, built up everybody that you could see, built up your church, built up your pastors, built up the vision, built up the future. I like you. Imagine if just everywhere we go, we were doves. Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the sinful nature, the raven, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, the dove, you will live. The raven, the Bible says, is detestable, but it also speaks about the dove and says it's delightful. Which one? And every single one of us are two birds. What we release from us is going to determine the life that we live. Let's pray. Keyboarders, come and join me. Father, I thank you for this wonderful company of people. I thank you for the amazing things that Bay City Outreach Center has already accomplished for you. And there is a sense that there is even a new fresh wave of potential and people and team and life that is welling up on the inside of it. And now I pray over this wonderful congregation today that you would cause every person here to be a dove. Let us choose the dove food. Let us choose only the life of the dove. Let us eat your fruit. Release seed, the seed of encouragement, the seed of belief, the seed of a positive life. Release your seed everywhere that we go, everything that we touch. We renounce the raven and we grab a hold of the dove.